Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. forever. Would you stand as we sing this morning of his goodness?
Peckway Church, go ahead and have a seat. So great to see you all here this morning. Thank you for being here in person. Thank you for being online with us today. I'm going to invite those of you here in the house to go ahead and look inside of your bulletin. Take out that gray connection card. You can begin filling that out as I'm speaking. Online, you're going to find a connect link there in the chat window. Click on that. That's our digital connection card. You ask why. Why do I have to do this? Well, this is one of the best ways that we can communicate with one another. As When you guys fill that out, um, there's places there on the back of that card online as well that you can uh, ask questions, you can make comments, uh, and more importantly, even write your prayer request. Uh, and we love being able to partner with you and come to God together each week and pray along with you about the needs in your life. But So this is simply one of the best ways that we can do that here at Peckway Church. So take a moment sometime today and fill out that Gray Connection card and that Connect link inside there. Also, if you're a first-time guest, you can simply take out your mobile phone and you can text the word hello to 717-872-5679. Again, that word is hello to 717-872-5679. That's our church's phone number, so you can find that on the website. Um, you can see that right there on the screens as well this morning. But uh, again, take a moment to do that, and I would love to reach out and connect with you sometime this week. Well, we are continuing our sermon series, and you know, life is busy, right? We get caught up in all the things that we have to do, and often the last thing on our, our plate is maybe God. He kind of gets that last place sometime, but it's really the most important thing that we could ever do is spending time with him. And so we have to settle ourselves. We have to get quiet and let him speak to us. So let's take a moment and watch this video, and then we'll continue our worship together. to boost its interest rates up to 18% as it battles against financial collapse. The move is designed to stabilize the now economic messages to win the support of undecided voters. Your name. 
started our service that way this morning, and we continue reflecting on that uh, today, his goodness. And so let's continue worshiping him, pouring our praise out on him as we celebrate that goodness today.
intimacy with God that we're going to talk about today is by his presence, his presence with us. And we're inviting him here today to do that. Let's not get distracted that the screens are not working. That's okay. Let's just lift our voices to him. If you know the song, sing out. If not, I'll try to give you those lyrics. But let's just invite him here today. He's already here, but let's welcome him as he ministers today. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. Of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. In your presence, Lord, the Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place. glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord how we need your presence oh Lord there's Oh. 
today as we have come before you, as we've quieted our hearts, Lord, as we've reflected on your goodness today, Lord, may our hearts be open to hear, uh, Father, what you're, you're speaking to us today, how you want us to have that intimacy with you, God, that those quiet moments where we see if we're plumb with you, Father, if we're in line, Lord, if we're listening, as you're speaking, help us to quiet the chaos in our hearts and lives so that we're able to do that today. We thank you for what you're going to do now, Jesus, and we pray and ask this in your holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, thank you, Pastor Scott and worship team, and good morning, Peckway Church. I love that song. Man, do you just desire to experience the presence of the Lord, to walk in His presence, to just experience that as part of the reality in which we live as His children, His sons and daughters? Uh, I want to give a, a brief disclaimer this morning. These last 36 hours, I'm living on caffeine, Dayquil, and nasal spray. So if, if this sermon is a good one, then we'll just give God the glory. And if it's a stinker, well, we'll blame the caffeine, the Dayquil, and the nasal spray. So, and if, if I feel, dis, if it seems like I'm distant from you guys today, it's, it's because I don't want you to get my head cold. Or as my wife reminds me, the man cold. So, no, but seriously, I, I'm loving this series that, that Pastor Jerry is leading us through, fully devoted. And as Scott mentioned, uh, today we're going to talk about building our intimacy with God, because I, I think that that's something that sometimes gets missed, it gets overlooked, and even that word intimacy can bring up different pictures in our minds for, for different people. When I mention that word, when you even just hear that word, I would even ask you, what comes to your mind? For many of us today, I, I fear that we equate the notion of intimacy with physical touch in some manner. But I would suggest that that's actually far from what it means. In reality, when we look at scriptures, we can see, for example, that two men can have a biblically intimate friendship with one another. Think of Jonathan and David in the Old Testament, how they were willing to lay down their lives for, for each other. There was a deep friendship, a deep intimacy that those two men had as they loved each other in the Lord. Two women can have a biblical and intimate relationship. I think of the example of Naomi and Ruth in the book of Ruth. How Na Naomi committed her, or Ruth committed herself to Naomi. She said, where you go, I'll go. 
Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. There was this closeness, this intimacy that they shared together throughout that account. When we look at that word intimacy, a simple definition is this, a close familiarity or friendship. Or simply, we could use that word closeness. Intimacy is closeness. And so as we continue in our series, Fully Devoted, today I I hope and pray that I will help us, by God's grace, make that connection that a life fully devoted to God is a life that is building, that is growing in intimacy or closeness with God. And so let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to take a moment and Acknowledge your presence in this place with us. You indeed are here. And I just pray for us as a body of believers, both gathered in this room and and those even watching online, that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit that is filling this place. And in that process, give us open eyes to see, open ears to hear, and open hearts to understand and to experience that intimacy with you today, Lord. And I pray that you would give us a supernatural hunger and thirst for that intimacy with you. May nothing else in this world satisfy us except for more of you. And so guide us through our time here together today. In your precious name, Lord. Amen. Well, I want to begin with a a question. What does biblical intimacy look like? What does biblical intimacy look like? And I'm just going to point out four different things. These aren't the only things we could probably say about it, but I'm just going to draw from different areas of Scripture this morning. And the first thing I want to point out is that biblical intimacy can look like lingering in God's presence. Lingering in God's presence. I love the verse from Exodus 33, uh, verse 11 here, and it's on your outline. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. I love that verse, but let me read it in context. Verses 7 through 11 from Exodus 33. Now, part of, part of the background here is that the temple wasn't built at this time. And so when the people would meet with the Lord, or particularly Moses would meet with the Lord, he would go to what was called the tent of meeting. And so this is the account here that leads up to verse 11, which is on your outline. Now, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And Moses went into the tent, or as Moses went into the tent, a pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. They would, or the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Let's just linger with that verse for a moment. Linger with that passage. In a moment, we'll, in a few moments, we'll talk about 
busyness and the effects of busyness in our lives. But lingering with the Lord is part of what a biblically intimate relationship with the Lord looks like. Moses was done talking with the Lord. The Lord was done talking with Moses. But Joshua lingered. Joshua stayed there. He stayed there experiencing the presence of the Lord. I can't help but, as I think about this, to think back over the last two weeks. I don't know if you've heard, uh, hopefully you have, about what was taking place at Asbury University down in little Wilmore, Kentucky. It's a a small university of 1,500 students, and the town of Wilmore is a small town. It's only around um, 3,000 people, if I'm not mistaken. But over the last two weeks, about, they estimate about 100,000 people were flocking to Wilmore, Kentucky because there was a chapel service at the university in which only a handful of students attended. But after the chapel service ended, 19, approximately 19 students lingered in the presence of God. And some of the students that went to class later made the decision to come back to the chapel. And there was just for the next two weeks, there was just this sweet uh, experience of the presence of God in that place. And I love what the, the uh, leaders at Asbury University did. They, they wanted to keep it uh, um, real, in a sense. They didn't want it to become this big, blown-up thing, which it, it kind of did anyway on its own. But, like, there were famous um, worship leaders that showed up, and they said, hey, can I come up on the stage and lead some songs? And there were famous uh, pastors and preachers who came and said, hey, can I come up on the, the platform and deliver a message? And the leaders said, no. This is not about celebrity. This is not a platform for any person to build their name or to to further their own things. This is all about these college-age students experiencing the presence of the Lord, where they were confessing and committing their lives to the Lord. And I wouldn't be surprised if the fruit of this years down the road would be more young people uh, receiving a call to go to cross-cultural global missions. Because that's usually one of the things that happens out of an an outpouring or a revival. That it's one of the things that happens down the road. But for those last two weeks, there was just a lingering in the sweet presence of God. And that's how people described it. It wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary. It was just lingering in the presence of the Lord. And I love that, that uh, there were accounts of this, how it spread to uh, Cedarville University and Baylor University and Lee University. And it spread to all these other places and all these other churches. And uh, I talked to my one friend, Ken, last week. And um, they, they had planned at his church up in the Poconos to, to baptize one person. But the Spirit of the Lord just came on their, their worship gathering and they baptized 24 people and they worshiped for like four hours. Lingering in the presence of God. We can't manufacture that. Has nothing to do with lights, has nothing to do with smoke on a stage, has nothing to do with personalities or anything like that. It's just simply learning to linger in the presence of God. And that's one of the the, um, biblical 
pictures, one of the things that, that we can use to describe what this biblical intimacy looks like. The second thing is listening for the voice of God. Listening for the voice of God. I love what the author of Ecclesiastes says in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. The author says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Notice the language there. Go near to listen. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything. Let your words be few. Man, as I was thinking about this this week, I can't help but think like our current culture is like the exact opposite of this, isn't it? Like everybody has a voice and everybody feels like their voice has to be heard today, doesn't it? All right, and social media, I'm not just up here to bash social media, but man, social media just seems to like, like perpetuate that, right? I don't know about you, but I have friends now who are experts on the law and the Constitution and any, anything else. I didn't even know they were so well learned. Right? Like, do we do the same in our relationship with the Lord? Do we do the same in regard to uh, the, our church family? Right? The author of Ecclesiastes would remind us here, come to listen for the voice of God. Listen for the voice of God. We can't listen for the voice of God if we're too busy speaking, right? Do we even know how to listen well? I mean, let's be honest. If somebody's talking to us, aren't we already in our mind thinking about what we're going to say in response? If that's the case, and I suspect it is for many of us, my, me included, like, that's not a, a sign of good listening. I can't be listening to God's voice if I'm thinking about what I'm going to be saying next. We need to let our words be few and learn to just linger and listen in the presence of God for the voice of God. The third thing. Intimacy with God is built through loving God more and more. Loving God more and more. When Jesus was asked by somebody, what is the greatest commandment? This was his response according to Mark 12, verses 28 through 30. He says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now often, I think we can easily focus on the great love that God has for us. But do we ever stop to think about the great love that we're called to have for God? His love is great, but our love for him is to be equally as great. Notice that all-encompassing answer, which Jesus is just quoting from uh, the book of Deuteronomy here. It's called the Shema. 
We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our being, all of our mind. We are not to shut our minds off when we come into the presence of God, but bring our mind as well and all of our strength. I think of Paul's words when he says, everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. Right? Do we, do we realize that? Do we practice that? Again, I think we, we often emphasize God's love for us, and rightly so, but what about our love for God? If you read through John's gospel, we'll find some kind of difficult, I, I consider them difficult words in some way, because over and over and over again, especially in the later chapters of John's gospel, Jesus says things like, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll do what I commanded. If you love me, again, you'll obey me. He doesn't say it just once or twice. He says it at least six to eight times in the later chapters of John's gospel. Now, he's not, he's not calling for legalism. He's not demanding allegiance from us. He's just given us that reality. If you've experienced forgiveness and the love of God in your heart, guess what? You're going to love me, Jesus says. And your love for me is going to be evident in how you live your life in obedience to my commands. And his greatest command is to love. And then likewise, the fourth thing, a more intimate connection with the Lord leads to a deeper connection with people. So these first three things, we're focusing on that relationship with the Lord but as that grows, as that connection becomes more intimate, a horizontal thing begins to happen, too. I think of, uh, this isn't on your outline, but I think of uh, the words of James when he says, can, can fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? He says, with the same mouth, we praise God and worship God, but also then with the same mouth, we curse a brother or a sister, right? Right? If we're doing that, that shows that we're really not intimate with God because then we're not intimate with others. Those two things go hand in hand. We can't say we love God and then mistreat a brother or sister. The second part of the greatest commandment, Mark 12, 31, Jesus says, the second is this. And when he says that, he equates it with the first one, with love God. So the greatest commandment is two parts here. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Henry Nouwen, in his book, The Way of the Heart, reminds us of this reality when he says, our first and foremost task is faithfully to care for the inward, referring to that intimacy with God in us, so that when it is really needed, it can offer warmth and light to lost travelers. I love that quote. See, our relationship with God is, is not just about us, but it spills over to those around us. So an intimate relationship with God will be marked by a church that is in intimate community with one another and its surrounding neighbors. I think that sometimes this is a reality that we often miss or we may just gloss over. 
The point is, we live our lives, and if we're in leadership roles, we lead out of our relationship with Jesus. Which leads us to another question. What works against developing intimacy? I just have one point and one point only here for this part. And it's just simply the word busyness. Busyness kills intimacy. And I would suggest that busyness seems to be at epidemic proportions in our culture. We leave ourselves no margins in our schedule. We plan out every possible minute that we can. And heaven forbid we experience boredom ourselves. Or if we have children, heaven forbid our children experience boredom. We feel like we have to schedule everything for them and entertain all the time. And again, that leaves us with no margin in our lives. But all of this busyness has a cost, especially when it comes to our spiritual life with Christ. Look at this quote from Richard Foster from his book, The Celebration of Discipline. These are, this is how he begins the first chapter of his book. He says, or maybe I don't have it on the screen. He says this, in contemporary society, our adversary... Referring to the devil, the evil one. He says, our adversary, the devil, majors in three things. Noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. Mm. For me, that's one of those verses I keep, that's one of those quotes I keep coming back to over and over and over again. Am I so focused on muchness and manyness? Because if I am, then I'll, I will be neglecting my intimacy with the Lord. And as a result, intimacy with other people in my life, my life will suffer as well. I, I love Jesus. Um, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here too, but I, I love what Jesus shows us in the Gospels. Because how did Jesus deal with crowds? He often, after he teaches, then he often slips away. At one point, the disciples come to him, and, and they're like, Jesus, like, what are you doing hiding out here? Like, there's a whole crowd over here, and they, they want to see you. They want to hear you. And Jesus says, you know what? Let's go somewhere else. That is the exact opposite of our culture, isn't it? We feel like, oh, if there's a crowd, then something good must be happening. But that's not always the case. Crowds can often mean the opposite of intimacy. And they can become smoke screens for a deep, intimate life with the Lord. Jesus teaches us that. Friends, um, some of you, if you've been in some of my Bible studies, you probably have heard this before. So just bear with me as I repeat this. Back in 2015, Barna Research Group did a uh, joint um, research study on uh, the state of discipleship in American churches. They did it with, uh, in uh, conjunction with the Navigators, who I know some of you are familiar with, a discipleship ministry. And that research was, was quite revealing in some ways. The research showed, and, I would, and this was 2015, so now eight years ago, I would suggest it's probably even more so now. But this is one of the things that the research demonstrated. The number one reason given by practicing Christians for not engaging in discipleship is this. General busyness of life. General busyness of life. 
That's the number one reason that people aren't engaging in discipleship in the American church. General busyness of life. I'm too busy. I don't have the time. I have so many other things I have to do and so many other places I have to be. I don't have time to engage in intimacy with the Lord and intimacy with others. I don't have time for that. The second one, this one, I'm just throwing this in for free, but the second one was spiritual growth requires a lot of hard work. Number one, I'm too busy. Number two, it's too hard. In other words, this is, I mean, this is how I translate that. We don't want to change anything about our current way of life. We may profess a faith in Jesus, but we don't want that faith to actually transform us. Pete Scazzaro, who, is a, who was a pastor in New York City for a few decades, and he, he learned the hard way. He burned himself out. And in one of his books called Emotionally Healthy Leadership, he says this, bearing fruit requires slowing down enough to give Jesus direct access to every aspect of our lives and our leadership. Just because God has access to everything that is true about us does not mean that God has access to us. I can't help but to think about the references that Jerry, Pastor Jerry often makes to that little booklet we have available out here for free at the welcome desk, uh, Christ, My Heart, Christ's Home, right? We can, we can invite Christ in, but we can say, well, don't look in this closet, Lord, or, you know, this door's locked. You, don't go in that back room, right? God, you can, you can come in, but you can only come this far. That's not true intimacy then, is it? I like Jesus' words in John 15, 5. He reminds us, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, if we are not building, growing, developing an intimate relationship with the Lord that's spilling over into an intimate relationship with his community called the church, then what we're doing is ultimately going to amount to nothing. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So how do we build greater intimacy with the Lord? Three simple things. One is this, slow down. Slow down. How do you spend your time? Maybe do some kind of audit of your time. Look over your schedule for the last month. Where did you go? What did you do? How did you spend your time? How, many, how often did you spend time with the Lord? And again, I'm not talking about like legalism here, friends. I'm just saying let's do a real um, time audit. What has my attention? You know, I like to use, uh, based on what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, I like to, to use the phrase, whatever has your heart has you. Whatever has your heart has you. And that one of the ways that that is um, made clear to us is where do we spend our time and where do we spend our money? Because whatever has our heart, our time and money will go towards that thing. 
Right? So whatever has your heart has you. We need to slow down. Intentionally schedule time with the Lord. And that can look various different ways for all of us. I'm not saying it has to be the exact same thing for every one of us in this room or watching online. But the point is we need to slow down, period, and learn to just rest in the presence of the Lord. To listen for his voice. And to grow in deeper love and admiration for our Heavenly Father. I like what David says. David points out this idea of morning devotions for us. He, he says in Psalm 5.3, he says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. I love the picture that gives us. Twice it says in the morning. So we're told that David, at some point in the morning, came before the Lord. And the idea is that he poured his heart out to the Lord in prayer. But as I read that verse, it seems that David then lingered in the presence of God waiting for his answer. I lay my request before you and I wait with expectation. Waiting means that we can't be focused on where am I going next? What's next? I'll never forget when I was um, on a, a mission trip to Kenya a number of years ago. One of the, the Kenyan church leaders talked about how us Americans live by the power of the clock. We live by the power of the clock. Right? Everything is scheduled out. What's next? What's next? What's next? And if we're not careful, we can schedule out that intimacy with God. I mean, schedule it out. Right? We need to learn to slow down. How can we linger in the presence of the Lord if we're too rapidly moving from one thing to the next? Slow down. Secondly, learn to practice the spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are, are something that we see Jesus practicing in various ways. Some of the more classic ones are, are meditating on God, meditating on Scripture, prayer. And there are various types of prayer. Fasting, studying, studying the Word, simplicity, solitude, uh, submission, silence, service, Confession, worship, guidance, celebration, these are all spiritual disciplines. And we see Jesus, as I said, regularly practicing some of these disciplines. Most often, Jesus practiced prayer and solitude. Often, we're told in the gospel accounts that Jesus would go off to a quiet place to connect with his heavenly Father. He would go off to a quiet place, a place of solitude, where he would spend that time in prayer the, uh, one of the gospel writers tells us that the night before he chose the 12 apostles to follow him, he spent that night praying to the Lord. So the father, it's as if the father said, you know what, I want you to choose these 12 guys. That came out of a time of prayer. Right? Look, just one example, Mark 6.31. Mark 6.31 says this. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I love that verse. There's so much in there. Do you notice how there's, there's such a crowd and they're so busy, they don't even have a chance to eat, it says. 
There's so many people, so many things to do. Well, rather than doing all of the things that needed to be done, Jesus says to his disciples, let's do the opposite because that's the the more healthy choice. And notice the language he uses here. He says, come with me. This is about being in his presence. When we go away, when we practice solitude, when we spend time in prayer, when we spend time in the word, we are coming into the presence of the Lord. He says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, I know some, some of us here, maybe online, you might be saying, but I have young kids, Pastor. There ain't no such thing as a quiet place in my house. I hear you. I hear you. It's just a season, right? But I want to speak to the church here for a moment. What are we doing to build intimacy with our brothers and sisters so that they can build intimacy with the Lord? Right? If we know somebody in a situation like that, how are we helping them to practice the presence of God here? How are we helping them, coming alongside of them, helping them to make time to practice these things? This is a community event. Third and final thing here, and I just mentioned it, practice the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. I love this practice. I I am myself by no means an expert in this. But this is something that I've been trying to live into over the last few years. And one example is an example of a a man who lived in a monastery back in the 1600s. His name is Brother Lawrence. Some of you may have heard of Brother Lawrence. And he's written a a real small little book called uh, The Practice of the Presence of God. And Brother Lawrence was a soldier for a number of years, and then he found himself injured, and he, uh, it was a leg injury, I believe, and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. And it was after that time uh, as a soldier where he encountered the Lord and committed his life to the Lord, and then he ended up working in a monastery in France uh, where he, was, he wasn't a full monk, but he lived in the monastery and he worked in the kitchen. That was his job in the kitchen. And he learned what he called practicing the presence of God. And I love this prayer that he wrote. And I, have it, I think I have it on the screen for you. And he says this. This is a prayer. Lord of all pots and pans and things, make me a saint by getting meals and washing up the plates. I love that, right? We can practice the presence of God as we're making dinner for our family. We can practice the presence of God while we're mowing the lawn. We can practice the presence of God all day long while we're at our place of employment. This intimacy with God isn't something that only takes place in this room one hour a week, but this intimacy with God is something that can be grown and developed everywhere we go because reality is there is nowhere we can go where God's presence is not found. David tells us as much. In Psalm 139, Verses 7 through 10.
David says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Mm. Let's let that be our concluding prayer. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. And I'm just going to read those words slowly again. And just... Just try to be open to the presence of God in this room with us right now. God, where can we go from your spirit? Where can we go from your presence? If we go up to the heavens, you are there. If we make our bed in the depths, you are there. If we rise on the wings of the dawn, if we settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide us. Your right hand will hold us fast. Thank you for the gift of your presence, Lord. May we continue to grow in it and hunger for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks, church. Thank you, Pastor Chris, for that message this morning. And as we've come to this time uh, at the end of our service, um, I think it's a time of decision and uh, in these next steps that we take. Um, I have a song that I want to, I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'm going to read the lyrics because it's a song that's always stuck with me since I was a, a younger person. Um, and you might know the artist, it's by Larnell Harris. But the name of the song is I Miss My Time With You. And I think it's appropriate for today and uh, for the sermon that we've heard. But it says, there he was just waiting in our old familiar place, an empty spot beside him where once I used to wait to be filled with strength and wisdom for the battles of the day. I would have passed him by again if I didn't hear him say, I miss my time with you, those moments together. I need to be with you each day, and it hurts me when you say you're too busy Busy trying to serve me, but how can you serve me when your spirit's empty? There's a longing in my heart, wanting more than just a part of you. It's true, I miss my time with you. What will I have to offer? How can I truly care? My efforts have no meaning when your presence isn't there. But you'll provide the power if I'll take the time to pray. I'll stay right here beside you, and you'll never have to say, I miss my time with you, those moments together. I need to be with you each day, and it hurts me when you say you're too busy. Busy trying to serve me, but how can you serve me when your spirit's empty? There's a longing in my heart wanting more than just a part of you. It's true. I miss my time with you. And so I think uh, as we come to this moment today, if you take out that gray connection card once again on the back of that card, there's some places there for decisions online. You're going to have that connect link in the chat window uh, that you'll have that digitally. But perhaps you've committed your life to Christ today 
Um, we would love to, to be able to reach out to you and, and help you with resources uh, to be able to help you start your journey with Jesus. But maybe you decided to recommit or you want to grow in your faith. You want to know how you can have peace in your life, how you, can, um, how you can have this intimacy with Jesus. Take a moment and check off on that card there and uh, drop that in the box on your way out this morning. And we'd be glad to get in touch with you online. You can do that digitally as well and we'll reach out to you guys. But it would be our, our privilege to be able to walk with you in this journey with Jesus. Uh, Thank you so much for being here today. We are so grateful for your generosity as well. If you'd like to to give your offering today, you can do that online. You can also drop that in the box in the back. And just uh, as a note about, uh, you know, the offerings and tithes that we bring into the house of the Lord, um, you'll see improvements that will be coming very soon. And the windows here in the sanctuary are going to be replaced this coming week, hopefully, weather dependent. But uh, so, uh, but you may see that happening. So I just wanted to make you aware of that. And, uh, but that's part of that generosity, that we're taking care of God's house and the things that, uh, that, are, uh, that are his. And so in doing so, your support for those things uh, is part of that. So thank you so much. I've enjoyed worshiping with you. I look forward to doing it again, and I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you.